Welcome to the Career Happy Mums podcast. This podcast is here to help you if you are considering career change or job change or returning to work after a career break. I'm here to share advice, tools and tips, as well as bring you guests onto the podcast that will show you that career change is possible. I'm Rebecca Amin, your host. I'm a career coach and I help parents who are unhappy in their careers to stop going around in circles and to find that path back to being career happy again. I also run my Facebook group called Career Happy Mums. So do search for that and join if you haven't already. So in today's episode, I am really excited to welcome my guest, um, Kelly Keating. How are you, Kelly, today? Really good, thanks, Becky. Looking forward to our conversation. Yay, great. Me too, me too. Um, So by way of introduction, um, I am just going to yeah introduce you if that's okay and correct me if I get anything wrong, of course. Um, But so by way of introduction, um, Kelly has a career spanning over 25 years working in SMEs, the third sector and financial services. Kelly is really passionate about personal development and lives true to her values of integrity, community, compassion, growth and connection. Her vision is for everyone to be able to live their lives and careers with intention and feel safe, inspired and fulfilled. As a result, Kelly has designed her own life and career with purpose and intent and currently has a portfolio career, including working three days a week at JP Morgan in technology, strategy and transformation, also with a focus on people and culture. Alongside this, she's also on the board of a multi-academy trust and on the board of a charity that reduces loneliness and brings joy through intergenerational connections. For the last eight years, Kelly's been co-lead of of Aspiring Women, which I'm a member of very proudly, (laughs) and she provides a safe space for women to share, learn, develop, support and grow together. Um, Finally, um, Kelly is a huge advocate of coaching um, and she is also herself now an accredited coach and works with individuals and corporates to help them to live their lives with clarity and intention. Also, there's more. (laughs) Kelly is a very proud mum to a five-year-old boy. She lives in Bournemouth um, with him and her partner, Andy, and they also have two cats, so even more responsibility there. Um, But a really exciting thing that is um, just very recently been announced is that Kelly um, is a time-wise power 50 winner, which I'm sure should explain more about what that means. But congratulations on that, Kelly, because it's a great award to have won. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for that lovely introduction. No problem, no problem. So welcome, like I said, it's great to to have you here. Um, And I'm really excited to talk to you, um, I guess, partly due to your personal sort of career journey and and the changes changes that you've made, um, but also because of all the extra sort of influential work, if you like, that you do sort of both in your corporate space, but also, um, you know, being such a charitable advocate and and all the things that I've just talked about um but let's start with you first of all um and then hopefully we'll move on to to some of that towards the end so you've navigated your career through the third sector into financial services and you know across a number of different um sectors and disciplines so can you just sort of I guess to start with share just a bit about 
how you approach change because I know you've made a bigger change more recently into this sort of portfolio career but you've had change sort of consistently I would say throughout your career so what's been a common theme for you do you think in terms of navigating that change? Interesting question and um, I think having done so much more work myself and reflection and, and you know 25 years is a frighteningly long time to have been working <laughs> I think it's fair to say that towards the beginning the change wasn't necessarily done with intention and it was, wasn't necessarily done you know with my control I think mm. I reflect back and you know my, my first role was was it was in a, an SME for, for sort of nine years I essentially started as an apprentice and kind of worked my way up um, and I was young and I was ambitious and I was hungry and I'd just say yes to whatever opportunities and I guess candidly at the time I, I didn't know any other anything else um, I was quite driven and motivated by earning more money so I could mm. property ladder and all those things that we tend to focus on when we're, when we're younger yeah. um, and actually in all, in all um, transparency that the sort of initial change for me to leave that was because I had a new manager really right. didn't see eye to eye uh, and sort of got to a bit of a point of, of overwhelm and felt that I had mm. to change something and that was sort of changing myself and my very first job I actually gave up um, with, with with no firm plan in place um, you know I was in a position that financially I could afford to just about do that yeah um, and um, and actually went into um, <laughs> a friend was um, at a school at the time and I even went and and volunteered for a while as a teaching assistant just to see if I wanted mm. to get into teaching so that was something right. I always thought I wanted to do at school so so I think earlier on in my career a lot of the changes I made weren't necessarily done it's you know as a mentor now for, for people much generally more junior or, or mm. experiencing their own kind of points of change I sort of always say it's much better if you can to run towards something rather than run away yeah. something and I think oh, that's through my own learned experience but sometimes yeah. Yeah, earlier on in my, my career it was actually you know, I was running away and I hadn't recognised those sort of points of what was important to me first. Yeah. That's a really interesting point because I think I definitely recognise that in well where I was when I changed careers, but also all the people I talked to, we're really good at going, this thing's bad, this thing's bad, this thing's bad, but not great at going, and so what I want instead is, mm-hmm. <laughs> and being able to articulate that other than I just don't want that boss or I just don't want to be in this situation yeah. so um so it's a really valid point sort of running to something not not just away from something um and what you said with our, sorry I was gonna say I do quite a lot of coaching and mentoring with our with our junior talent and I try and get them to think about the things that I wish I'd known about when mm-hmm. I was younger. like you know what are your values what are your strengths you know what are your kind of non-negotiables in, in mm-hmm. a career and in a team environment things like that so they can just be a bit a little bit more thoughtful rather than just going for whatever offer comes to them or, or just chasing the money and things like that yeah and I think yeah I think you know whether it was just that there wasn't as much sort of coaching or, or career coaches out there when when we were younger I don't know but I don't feel like I had any like you say you kind of someone says you'd be great at this or why don't you come and do this or we've got this internal opportunity we'd love you to do it and you kind of just go oh great yeah <laughs> then find yourself somewhere so 10 years later going how did I get here? <laughs> exactly. I think many people of, of our generation are not staying, but I have to say, I think now it's younger, younger colleagues are a bit more um, self-aware and a bit more purposeful about what's important to them. And all the studies kind of show um, things like purpose-driven employment yeah. is actually, you know, over and above um, what the pay packet is. So I, I'm yeah. really pleased to see that. Yeah, no, definitely. And actually I read something 
I can't remember where it was now, but something. So where, you know, I think our generation is probably the first generation of people that will probably have more than one career in a like, you know, actual very different career. Whereas the people that have kind of, I guess, gone before us, it was very much, even if it wasn't job for life, it was probably career for life. Yeah. Whereas we've sort of now, and it's quite difficult to understand and, and believe that you can change careers and you can make these changes. But then the younger generation almost expect that that will happen and kind of go, well, yeah, of course, I might do this now, but in 10 years, I'll probably do something different. And I think it's a really, that generational thing is really interesting to... Look how um, many jobs that didn't exist 10 years oh, ago, or even five years ago. That yeah. Now. I think that's the thing, which, you know, and, and I worry slightly because I don't think the career advice has actually moved no. on. No. Because we were there 30 years ago, like no. years ago so... I would agree. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that. Yeah. Anyway, that's probably another podcast, isn't it? About, <laughs> about what, what schools and colleges doing to keep up with the times. But um, but so with your more recent change, so you kind of, as you say, you're now in this position where you're building and, and sort of developing into, I guess, this portfolio um, career. And I know when just before we started recording, you sort of said that's still, you know, you're finding your feet in terms of the juggle of that and and things. But what do you think it was that triggered at, at that point where I know that's where you've landed now, but before you kind of made the decision of what this phase would look like, what was it that sort of triggered you or made you feel like, actually, I need to make some changes to try, you know, before you worked out what it was, what was the trigger for you to start making some changes, do you think? Um, I, I think it was working with you. To be <laughs> but what triggered that, I guess, is what I want to do. What kind of made you think, I need to do something different, something's got to change. I, th- I think for it's funny I don't know whether it was you know it would have been around the time I was coming up to 40 which was also mm. around the same time as I had my son and yeah. I think it's fair to say when I look back I had always been frankly a workaholic um mm. I'd always worked really long hours I generally enjoyed what I was doing and I would stay until things were done even though as we all know in reality things are never done mm. um having my son which gives you a very firm boundary and very firm sort of deadlines you know yeah. made me realize that I want, you know you had to focus much more on, on the essential I think it also sort of gives you different sort of priorities I think that kind of you know look back to think I've been working 20 years I've got another 20 ahead of me mm. what do I want that to kind of look like um through the aspiring women sessions you know, we've run lots of sessions over the year on things, um, over the years on things like values and strength, and mm. um, came across the the icky guy concept and sort of meaning yeah. of the life, the 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 Venn diagrams of the what you love, what you are good at, what you can monetize, and what's good for the world. And I yeah. would be sort of training and facilitating on these sort of type of topics, but at, at sometimes getting a bit of a fraud myself. It's like, well, actually, am I really touching all of those elements in the way that I would like to? Yeah. Um, so I think you know having that already holding that mirror up to myself but not actually you Doing, know yeah. far enough to do something about it was what yeah. led me to, to work with you yeah and I think it's always um it's interesting isn't it because even you know coach you're a coach now yourself as well but I think we can be really um what's the word I'm looking for you know we, we're sort of very good at obviously facilitating other people to figure all that stuff out but doesn't necessarily mean that we're, we're doing ourselves. it all for ourselves so yeah. um you know and I, I put myself in that category yes I'm a career coach and yes I am doing the, the job that I love and that's great but there's probably other areas of my life where I think oh I need to sort this out and you know could give the the best advice or coaching to somebody else but <laughs> it doesn't mean doesn't mean it's easy to do 
you know fool yourself away does it it's, so, it's funny like it was well, writing my bio was nice and hearing you like it's almost nice but a bit embarrassing but I just want to mm-hmm. put it out there that I'm still winging it every day you know yeah. 25 years of work 25 yeah you know a lot of those fun with very senior people I think <laughs> I would conclude that most most of us are winging it and we're lying to yeah. ourselves and other people if we're not but I think as long as we're, we're aware of what we're, we're good at where we might have gaps to, to, to mm. and stuff like that and are constantly looking to grow and having that kind of growth mindset yeah you know, looking to move forward then I think winging it is fine <laughs> yeah yeah and it's really it's, it's great that you mentioned that because I spoke I, it reminds me of someone I was talking to a coaching session yesterday and she was saying you know everyone more senior than me and everyone else doing my job just seems to be so together like what's wrong with me and I was like hmm how do you know they're together <laughs> what tells you that's true well they just appear that way and I wonder how you appear to them so it's that perception thing isn't it like Definitely. everyone's probably winging it I'm seeing more leaders sort of share vulnerability and I think that's really important and that you yeah. know like Simon Sinek and Brandy Brown and I think the last two years has brought out a far more human leadership but those those kind of feelings of imposter syndrome or comparison mm-hmm. I, I think we all have and yeah but yeah I think in my experience at least um we're all human no one's superhuman yeah Mm. I would agree and yeah I think the only two things we can thank Covid for is that we've got to see the actual human side of more people than we might and flexibility has and and hybrid working and things has become more normal so at least it did something positive (laughs) (laughs) yeah so tell us a little bit more about kind of I guess what you're what you're doing now so where have you you got to now so you sort of had this trigger of you've got a child you're turning 40 you knew something needed to change I was very lucky to work with you sort of through that that process and yeah tell us a bit more about what, what it is that you're doing now. So um, two or three different things sort of came as a result of, of what we worked on together. Um, after I came back from having my son I was 80% at JP Morgan mm. um, but I, I oh, and I love my work for JP Morgan I'm very proud to be in a team mm. who's Key focuses around sort of um, strategy and transformation with the people and culture focus. Mm. Um, however, JP Morgan is a large global investment bank, and sometimes you don't have the ability to, to have the impact that you might like. Mm. And, and also, I'm, I'm very passionate about um, community. And you know, earlier on in my career, I worked in the third sector, and I think I was missing um, some of that. And so, um, I also wanted to to gain greater leadership experience, which is also um, hard at an organization that's got quarter of a million employees in it, even mm. though the very senior people often don't have that much scope because the roles are designed yep. to be much narrower. Um, and so I decided that I wanted to, to take on a, a NED role, a, a sort of trustee role, mm. uh, and two opportunities actually presented themselves to me. I think it was a way of putting it out to the universe and the universe delivering. So the Together Project, which is the charity that I'm, um, Vice chairperson of, um, I'd, I'd heard about through a mutual connection when I was first on that leave, having my son. Mm. Uh, and the essence of what they do is bring together carers and preschool children into care homes and they, um, okay. they run songs and smile sessions and create mm. kind of connections. And you've got real reciprocal benefit for, for both the parents and carers, yeah. the, the residents and, and the children. COVID has obviously put a bit of a stick. You know, yeah, uh, really uh, lots of unvaccinated children in together. Yeah. But what you know, the, the team, the, the team have been amazing. We've kind of pivoted, and we've got different products out there, and that is something that brings me so much joy to sort of volunteer. And to, you know, it's a it's a strategy a governance role as sort of most core positions are. But equally, we all roll our sleeves up and and help, whether that's 
around sort of operational sort of issues or, or you know going out and, and speaking and trying to create new partnerships and funding streams so I absolutely love that and that came about I just literally saw it um, advertised on Facebook or LinkedIn yeah. you know a few weeks after I've decided and it just I started. remember you saying about it we had a session you're like you know I said that <laughs> this is just a fear like you've got to try and do it you're like oh well, I may never get it <laughs> it's bizarre I've never thought I was particularly spiritual and I kind of uh, we had actually a, a mentoring circle inspiring women on on the law of attraction recently I was like oh, oh focus pocusy and not really sure but actually I think so much of the principles of the law of attraction you know yeah people talking about it and literally putting it out to the universe yeah there are more examples than we realize whether yeah well I think as well like it's because it can sound like you say sort of really woo woo sort of like oh if I say look at myself in the mirror and tell someone I want a million pounds enough I'll get it but it's I guess it's the stuff that goes behind it isn't it it's the like yeah but by saying it you're making it a conscious thought and therefore you start behaving in a way that you know allows you to see things that you might not have seen before or connect with people you might not have connected with before because it's it's all what you're doing really but it's just your unconscious kind of definitely going almost so so yeah so sorry I've taken you off no, your no not at all and, and the school was a very similar um opportunity a few months later um aspirations of 15 schools in the south of England and one of them was a new school that they're opening in the center of former uh, which is a real pioneering school Mm. Um, it focuses on the whole sort of a holistic approach um, to STEAM, so um, science, technology, engineering, math and art. And it also oh, has brilliant. a really holistic approach, kind of, they don't, um, and I'm going to get the, the words wrong, so I'm not yeah. going to use it, but in, in plain English, they, they don't necessarily just teach an English class or a math class, they actually teach more practical things across all of the subjects so, so okay, more, yeah, more applicable to real life and more yeah. sort of um, project driven a bit more yeah. like the yeah. you know they had to work with an industry and um, both my partner and I were super excited around that and I and I got to learn more and I got uh, the founders and and um, Surrey Livingston who's the kind of figurehead behind it got them into work to talk about it just to promote it because mm-hmm. there's a lot associated with we talk about future skills and you know future roles and um and yeah so um, and anyway, so I was just a really big advocate of what they were doing. I said, if, if the, when the school opens, they need any governance, then let me know. But where they're a multi-academy trust, they have a different structure. Um, so there's, there's regional governance and then overall board governance. And they yeah. asked me to, um, to join that. And I'm, you know, really pleased to join that. A great team yeah. of different people. You know, I haven't got a background in education prior to, um, prior to this. The last time I stepped in the school was when I was <laughs> myself really yeah. much, um, so, but, but that's been really nice to influence and myself and a, a co-trustee sort of facilitated a vision and values exercise for the mm-hmm. trust as part of their sort of five-year plan. So yeah. it feels like that is also having an impact on creating yeah. you know, a better experience for the future generation. So we talked about doing icky guy type things with the students. And Amazing. Stuff like that. Get that stuff yeah, early. I think that's a great, because what you said there, like, you know, you've not worked in education, you're not, you haven't stepped in a school since you left one yourself. And I think, again, I, so many people will, will have that kind of like, oh, well, I could never do this because I don't have experience in that. But I think that's just a great example of, you know, you've seen something in your local area that like, wow, that's amazing. I'm really interested. You've connected with them. You've got them involved in your work. You've just had conversations and found stuff out and that kind of no like trust factor of, of you and them as built and there you are and it just kind of shows that actually it's not all about banging on a door and going can you give me a job can you give me a job can you you know it's just you've kind of put yourself in the world and therefore it's it's I think so yeah 
wasn't it? I, I often get asked to talk about networking at work, if, you know, and I and I cringe a bit because they're like, "Oh, can you have such a good networker?" And I think there's sometimes you know negative connotations with networking. But I just try to say that you know I'm just always looking for reciprocal opportunities and connections between people. You know, yeah. I I. I am I am not deep on any particular subject. I am a bit of a generalist, but where I can help is, you know, I know a lot of the small things around a lot of people and I like to be able to join those jobs. And I think yeah. it's easier into life thinking around with, you know, with that kind of mindset rather than yeah. um, thinking you need to know everything. I mean, the, the, the trust, for example, they, they want critical friends. They want people that are gonna give different perspectives. And, and yeah. so, so again, massive advocate for getting more women onto boards. So, thoroughly encourage anyone yeah. of your listeners who might be um, curious to check out Women on Boards, which is a social enterprise which you know um, does a lot to support women getting onto boards. So whether that is like a baby board, which might be a governor at a school or or, or um, you know charity or not. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's a great way to expand both your network and your transferable skills. Yeah, it's a great point. And actually it's something that does come up when I'm speaking to people quite a lot about, oh, how could I get exposure? And, and that does come up. And um, that's a, that's a great tip actually. I will, I'll try and put that link in the in the show notes as of how to connect into that. So, um, and so so there's that so sort of charity work, and then obviously the the coaching as well is the the sort of <laughs> extra layer that you've added into your portfolio. So, do you want to just sort of again tell us a little bit about what you're doing there? Thank you. Yeah. So, um, being so you know overwhelmed and impressed by the impact that coaching had on me, and and pure coaching sort of proper coaching I would say because I think there's still a lot of um misunderstanding as to what coaching mm. is and I think I would have been guilty of using the term coaching whereas actually it might have been more training or teaching mm. or mentoring yeah. um and I really you know appreciated the kind of you know safe non-judgmental space that you gave me to mm. hold a mirror up to myself and nudge me along and so yeah I was really curious and and, and looked into getting professional coach training myself which I I did in completed a six-month diploma last year got my accreditation at the beginning of this year and so whilst I've been working with a number of internal um, coaching clients um, I've also started to um, work with people outside of JP Morgan as well Um, uh, different people from um, different um, organizations but generally speaking they um, probably fall into sort of two main camps a lot of people wanting to explore different mm. alternatives whether it's a different role within their existing organization mm. or something completely different or even sometimes promotions or or equally leaders who don't sadly feel that they've got much of a safe space or a sounding mm. board to actually talk through um, different problems or issues that are going on for them and their teams and it just right. provides them with an opportunity to to have a sort of non-judgmental space mm. to see that there might be alternative options yeah. and, and sort of think around that and um yeah I, I I love it I think I think half my problem is I would do it for free every day because I I, <laughs> I I love seeing people have those like well moments and yeah and take you know be brave and, and try different things that that in itself is very mutually kind of rewarding as, as well definitely. yeah definitely and I think that's true I would say for a lot of coaches there's that element of if only I could reach more people and you know because you want to just do it for everybody but it's just I think and and actually a lot of coaches I know myself included the end goal is get to the point where actually you can go right back to the beginning and start giving away more time for free which is where we all start but but you know have enough coming in that then you can actually and you know I'm the same I think for me if I could 
I guess do sort of more pro bono coaching for sort of underprivileged um it or, exactly that can't access it because it, it is a privilege to be able to to afford to to have proper coaching um but but yeah I'm with you there so um so what would you say helped you the most in terms of um and this isn't me fishing for you to say you Becky that's not meant to be the answer so <laughs> that can't be the answer <laughs> what helped you the most in terms of either something could be something we did together or any thoughts or any anything that you did that you can pinpoint that go that was something that I just really found helpful to move me along in figuring out what was next for me I think one key exercise which you know is arguably simple but but takes time for, for that anyone can access is really thinking long and hard about your values and how you want to live your life and spend mm. your time and equally how you don't want to because I think that can actually really guide you to be much more specific and intentional around around what you want in your life both mm. your career and your and your wider life so I think if it was one sort of thing to pinpoint I, th- I think being really clear on those because that in turn then helps you sort of guide um, other things and other decisions definitely yeah and I think that's something I definitely notice the most in everyone and, and again with myself included in it that when you when you're clear on that it's really easy to objectively go oh okay I can understand now why that thing wasn't working for me that's okay <laughs> it just doesn't fit with me so yeah. that's really helpful thank you and I do I know we've only got a few minutes left but I'd really love just to quickly touch on this other side of things that I mentioned right back at your in your intro about the sort of I guess what you've done with JP Morgan I know you've influenced quite a lot of change there around flexibility and, and you have won this amazing award as well so can you just tell us a little bit about sort of how did you influence your work to sort of think more about I know you've done work around job sharing and flexibility and things so yeah what, what how did that happen what did you do was it in your remit did you just go out and do it what, what did you do <laughs> okay um so no it's not in my remit <laughs> I mean it wasn't strictly speaking I, I guess I could have loosely the role I was in when it first kicked off I could have loosely tried to interweave it but it certainly wasn't in my sort of defined scope or objectives um, I was in workforce strategy at the time uh, within technology and, and most of that team's role was around kind of headcount and location strategy mm-hmm. but I always tried to bring in the more sort of people element and the workforce of the future element this is pre-COVID so um, so I was always doing a lot of reading on you know um, what was going out there I'd yeah I'd connected um, to great forums like Katie um, uh, Friedman's flexible yep. working people and things like that and so I was sort of had an eye on things and then internally when I'd returned from having my son I, I signed up to be a um, parental buddy so people going off um, on maternity or paternity leave would be partnered with me and I'd sort of support mm. them in whatever way they, they needed it both pre and during and post their return and sadly a, a number of people I supported decided not to return up the maternity leave so they weren't up with any flexibility within their roles. Um, So there's sort of two elements together, they're kind of seeing what was going on in in the industry and that flexible working was, was, you know, becoming more almost Mm. a hygiene factor rather than a kind of benefit. And obviously diversity, equity, inclusion lens as well. So we we have a global hackathon each year and um, they had an ideation site where you could put your ideas on. Uh, and I basically put the idea originally of creating a, an application whereby internal and external people could connect via profiles and form a job share partnership and apply for, two people could apply for um, 
part-time people could apply for a full-time role together. Um, I sort of put that out on a few sort of networks and it ended up becoming, I think it was 11th out of over 1,200 ideas globally. Amazing. So a lot of kind of support for it, which, which helped. And then got a great team of volunteers together, ranging from sort of, you know, people later in life that like the idea of maybe phasing into retirement yeah. to some of our grads that like the idea of doing a side hustle. So we had a really rich and diverse team sort of behind us. Um, and that was our kind of catalyst for getting it in front of um, people of influence and decision makers. And, um, you know, the, to really sort of get the appetite was, you know, mentioning things like gender pay gap and mm-hmm. uh, a women in finance charter, because, you know, whilst flexible working, I strongly believe it's, it's great for everyone. You know, mm-hmm. at the moment, it's still disproportionately more yeah. women that, um, that go for it. And so, yeah, so that was kind of the original catalyst using the hackathon idea and then just having a really clear vision of where we want to get to, why we were doing it. And I had uh, had a small team of passionate, very passionate and dedicated volunteers that kind of supported me to do that. And it was a lot of selling, a lot of influencing. You know, we, we had COVID sort of, which yeah, was in. bad. Like we, COVID happened about a month after we officially launched. Um, but actually then, you know, towards the end of COVID, it's, it's probably been a tailwind because there have been different um, uh, mindsets and behaviours around flexible working, which you yeah. know, probably accelerated yeah. it a decade or more um, in our favour, if you like. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's, yeah, exactly. It almost kind of gave a bit of evidence to say that we don't have to all work in the same way, didn't it? But yeah. I think, you know, the reason I wanted to bring it up was because I think I speak to so many people that sadly are feeling you know, there is inflexibility or they can't reduce even down to four days or they job shares just aren't a thing or, you know, but, and as you say, flex should be for everybody. It's not just about working mums, but I guess, you know, not everybody is in a position to, to sort of challenge and, and influence at a really senior level, but I think it's, it's almost finding an opportunity to plant the seed, isn't it? And sort of being, being able to try and run with it a bit. And it's not out of the realms of possibility that, that if you are unhappy, that you can't, even if it's not you that, you know pioneers and sort of spearheads that project but if you are able to kind of get to the ears and the, the yeah, with others like, you know large organizations tend to have like brgs or business resource groups or employee resource groups so sort of use those people within those networks because they'll almost certainly be allies that will kind of support you in it yeah. you know go to the, the the realms of external sort of data and expertise that's out there um from all the different kind of flexible working you know sites and partnerships um and I guess in my experiences, find the hook that's gonna that's gonna get the, the senior people of interest in, in influence interested. And I think at the moment, if if not now, then when is a really good time. And you know, just Google flexible working research. There is just so much out there, whether it's McKinsey or you know Microsoft. Um, there's a lot of evidence to support um, you know the benefits, but the reciprocal benefits for everyone. Definitely, definitely. Well, we sadly run out of time and I was going to ask you what advice would you give people to sort of make that that sort of influence at work, but you've just given it. So I don't need to ask you that extra question, which is brilliant. <laughs> um, but thank you so much. Um, it's been really, really lovely to, to chat and I really hope and, and would expect that the listeners will find loads of what you said to be really insightful and, and helpful. So yeah, so I hope everybody has enjoyed this conversation. If there is anything, if you're listening that you take away that you find particularly useful um, or you've got any questions, 
do always feel free to drop me an email. You'll find my email address on the show notes. Um, and also don't forget um, to join, if you've not already, my Facebook group, Career Happy Mums, if you're looking for any further support um, and guidance. And Kelly, if it's OK with you, I'd love to share you know, some links to, to connect with you. And the, we didn't talk much about aspiring women, but I know there'd be loads of people that would be interested to be part of that group as well. So I'll, I'll pop that on if that's OK too. Please do. It'll be a pleasure. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm always happy to try and help and empower anyone, especially other uh, working mums. So, Brilliant. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thanks everybody for listening. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Career Happy Mums podcast. Don't forget to join my free Facebook group, Career Happy Mums, Or maybe you'd like to book a chat with me if you wish to find out more about how I can help you move towards a happy place in your career again. You can find a link to book that call in the notes alongside this episode. But for now, until next time, thank you for joining me.